I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be here sharing with you lessons I've learned, conversations I've had that will equip you to create new habits, challenge mindsets, and build relationships that will allow your family to thrive. Having an eternal perspective and looking towards heaven gives us hope. It provides a transformative lens through which we can navigate life's complexities, find purpose, and endure challenges. It shapes attitudes, behaviors, and priorities, offering a profound sense of direction and fulfillment. This week's guest, Amy Beckley, recently wrote a book called The Homeward Ache, in which she inspires people to lean into moments of beauty, peace, and sorrow. Anne is a member artist of the Anselin Society Arts Guild and a contributing writer at The Rabbit Room and The Cultivating Project. A rapt recipient of stories, she holds a Master's of Arts in English from the University of Virginia. In our conversation, we talked about embracing hope in everyday life, helping kids connect with eternity, and age-appropriate strategies for introducing heaven into the conversation in our homes. Our time together concludes with the idea that parenthood becomes an adventure when viewing it through the lens of eternity. Welcome, Amy. I am delighted to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me here. So a question we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? Okay, I think my family is known for, or I guess we would like to be known for, looking for beauty, celebrating the imagination. My kids would probably say corny jokes, at least of their dad. <laughs> Living seasonally, I think, is something that we've learned to do in recent Ooh. years. Yeah, just out of necessity and out of choice to mm-hmm. like having a slower pace during the colder months. Mm-hmm. And then I think maybe making things, however small or short-term they are, out of things that we envision or that we think could be useful. Oh, that's wonderful. I love yeah. that. All right. So tell us a little bit about your book. It's called This Homeward Ache, How Our Yearning for the Life to Come Spurs on Our Life Today. So tell me a little bit about this and what inspired you to write it. Yeah, it is a book about um, something that C.S. Lewis called Zane Zucht or an inconsolable longing, in other words. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the ache that a lot of people encounter when they're looking at something that is so beautiful that it stops them in their tracks or it's a song that makes them tear up or some some bit of poignancy in your day. And the book itself, it, it has two parts. And in part one, I talk about my own story of it, kind of to get on the same level as the reader. And then part two is a collection of essays talking about how that longing has gone on to affect basically the way I live in every area of my life. Mm-hmm. And so those are made up of personal stories. Actually, the the whole book is basically made up of personal stories. But I wanted to write it because I had had many of these encounters throughout my own childhood. And the earliest that I can remember is, is from the age of nine when I went up just on a walk with my family. And we came upon this meadow that we saw. It was on the opposing hillside. And there was something in that moment that was just so clear and beautiful and exquisite in its own way that I stood there and I tried to take in that feeling, but I didn't know how to explain it. And I didn't have a name for it. And it wasn't until many years later that I came across Lewis and other people who were talking about it. 
Then I came into communities where other people knew what this felt like. Mm-hmm. So then that was a big gift. And but I think the book, the idea for the book itself came about because those very people started to ask, well, what are we supposed to do with this? Is it just something that, you know, you encounter here and there throughout your life and you go on? Or, you know, is it supposed to do anything more than that? And so because I could see how it had affected my life and my faith and my walk with God. I just wanted to put the story out there to see if it mm. would encourage anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk about like eternity and you talk about understanding and having this revelation in these moments where we know that there's something beyond this life here. How do we balance our daily responsibilities with focus on eternity? Like, you know, it's easy to sort of I don't know, as Christians, it's easy to kind of use cliche expressions, you know, about focusing on eternity and having an eternal perspective, but where, how do you advise about, against, about maintaining balance? Yeah, I think one of the keys is to not see it as an either or situation. So Jesus told us that the kingdom of God was coming, but he also told us that it's already here and in the midst of us. Mm-hmm. And I think if that's true, then the eternal is already breaking into the everyday And Mm -hmm. so it's for us to just see it. It's there for us to recognize in the moments that we're caught by it or that we can, it almost feels like we can see through the temporary to see Mm -hmm. what is important and what is enduring and beautiful and glorious. So I think part of that is just having the eyes to see and maybe having a heart quiet enough to receive it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what's wonderful about the message of eternity and the hope we have in Christ is that there is a promise of restoration. And so can you talk to us about the practical ways we can embrace that promise? Yeah, a few of the practical ways I think that have helped my family. One is having mealtime conversations. For us, we it's easiest to have uh, devotional time in the morning. Mm-hmm after breakfast. And that has led to a lot of interesting discussions, just as my kids wonder about different details from the Bible passages that we're reading. And right now we're making our way through Genesis and it's very new to my 10 year old. Mm. So she will stop and just wonder things out loud, or she'll ask me a question about what does this mean about God and how does, what does it mean to love him? And those have led to some really good discussions. And somehow, I don't know, it, it always comes around to not just who he is, but what he has promised. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to me that it gets woven into the fabric of the conversation somehow. Mm -hmm. And then I think, especially for my children, I think finding books and stories that help them to imagine what the restoration might be like have been Mm -hmm. so crucial. And I think that's why books like The Last Battle, that last book of the Chronicles of Narnia mean so much to people sometimes, Mm. because it's almost like the first time we were given permission to envision what it would be like to be in eternity, to be free of pain and sickness and death, and to run without getting tired, and to be in a place where you're exhilarating in all of creation without having to fear a single thing. Mm. I think that's captured the hearts of so many. And I think it's really important that we continue to cultivate that, whether in adults or children. Mm-hmm. And then I guess one last one that comes to mind is for me, I have a, a little journal that I that I call a small book of beauty. Mm-hmm. And it came out of a pretty rough time in my life where I was having trouble just seeing the presence of God, believing that he was there. And there was just so much fear and anxiety in all of my days. It was kind of choking my whole ability to do anything. 
and keeping that way of journaling and noticing the beauty, the little beauties that I saw helped me to recognize that he was in them and Mm -hmm. that there were sites that were given to me that, you know, just, I mean, I don't mean like visions, I mean like, Mm -hmm. you know, the sight of a robin in the garden or um, something coming up just in time for a certain week in spring. Those moments helped me to realize that he really was in the intimate everyday moments and that though he is God Almighty, that he is also intimately involved in the weakest, the weakest moments of the smallest of his children. Mm-hmm. And so that's helped me a lot too. Yeah. Because I love that. A book of beauties. Yeah. I do have a little journal where I try to, in the evenings, write down the wins. They don't really, it turned out not to really be wins as much as just sort of things I want to mark and mm-hmm. remember and want to like take a moment to acknowledge. But I love the idea of a book of beauty. I'll just yeah. start incorporating that into what mm-hmm. I write about in the evenings. Yeah. So oftentimes when we talk to our kids about heaven and eternity, it's usually around grief and sadness. I know probably for me, that's when we have the most conversations about it, but how can we talk with children about this idea where it's not this, it doesn't mean the end of something. It doesn't, it isn't tied to sadness. It isn't scary or overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very sympathetic to that because I think one of the deepest, deeper discussions that I had to have with my kids was around their grandfather dying. Mm-hmm. and. And I think that's true, that that might be a good prompt to talk about what does death mean? How is Mm -hmm. that itself stripped of its power? And I also remember when I was little lying in bed and being really frightened of the idea of the word or the concept of forever. Like, Mm -hmm. what is it like for something to just keep going and going and going and not be like, I don't, I didn't have the capacity then. I don't have the capacity now to wrap my mind around that. But I think if we're going to broach the topic of eternity with children, one of the great gifts is that we don't have to stick to just that. It's not just the idea of an unending forever that God has promised to us. And I was just reading a book recently on worship. It was a section by D.A. Carson, and he's talking about how what we do on Sundays isn't the totality of our worship. What we do throughout the week Mm. as Christ followers is worship, whether we create or we nurture or we communicate or we, you know, we host somebody in our homes. All of that is part of what we do as Christ followers in a life of worship. And if that's true, and if what we're destined for is a is an eternal lifetime of worship, then it's very true that the best of what we do here and now, we are going to continue doing in the new creation. We will continue to create. We will continue to host. We will continue to um, have long conversations where we marvel at the goodness of God together. Mm-hmm. And if I think if you can communicate that to a child and that they begin to understand that the new creation is for all the things that we feel like we're running out of time to do here, then I feel like it's not that hard to have a welcome and and for that for eternity to be something to look forward to rather than to dread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And do you think that differs with the, their age? Like, how can we tailor our conversations to our kids' age and understanding? I think so. Obviously, the things that they're able to perceive or to comprehend cerebrally are going to be different throughout the ages. But I think there is also that encouragement that we're given in Scripture to be like a child. And I think part of Mm -hmm. that is to continue wondering and to maintain Mm -hmm. an attitude of wonder at 
not just how things might be, but at how things already are, mm-hmm. uh, which is one thing that I love about being around children. And so reading to them, wondering aloud with them, finding ways to relate to the things that are eternal to the experiences that they already know, I think is crucial. But I think most of all, it's, I don't think there's anything more powerful than having a parent that's captivated by God's promises. Mm. Because if that's the case, then everything will kind of flow out of that. So if we too are on this discovery of finding out how good he is, what he has planned and how it's beyond how it's beyond our imaginings, but we're also encouraged to imagine it a bit, Mm -hmm. then, then I think that naturally flows out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned like not choosing one or the other or not focusing too much on one or the other, our present or our eternity. And so with the knowledge that we are headed for eternity, I believe that we are commissioned to live intentionally and have purpose and have impact while we're here. So what are some ways that we can, as parents, help our kids to live purposely in light of eternity? Yeah. I mean, I guess in terms of our perspective, I don't know that it's so much that, you know, we we try not to focus on one or the other, but I, I do think there is a way of living where Everything you see, I guess some people would call it a sacramental sort of living. Everything you see, you see the eternity in it, the Mm. truth and the beauty and the goodness in it. And so it's like everything has been illuminated with who God is and what his plan is for us. So, So I think one of the practical steps for parents to do this intentionally would be to accept the earthly gifts that we have and and the means that we've been given to see him without shunning them, because I think there's a very real temptation to say, okay, well, if you're going to live with hope, the hope of eternity, that means you turn everything else off. Mm -hmm. But it's actually through the things that we are given sometimes that we can see him most clearly. And Mm -hmm. we have all sorts of things that we've been given by him, like the picture of marriage as an image of the love between Christ and the church and, um, and so many other things that he's given us as a means of seeing him. So it, it's it's folly, I do think, to ignore those or to say, yeah. well, you know, give me eternity. But it's yeah. in these things that you get to understand what that is. And it's through those things that your soul grows, I think, to be able to understand what eternity is and to be fit for it. So that that's one. And I think also approaching the rhythm of living and the encouragement of our children in this way. I guess there was a moment in my garden a couple years back, I think, where I live in Colorado. So we are plagued with late frosts and early frosts. And um, sometimes the garden never, you know, lives as long as you hope it will. But that particular year, we had a very early snow. So it was coming in the first week of September. And I remember, yeah, I remember kind of mourning that. And wishing that it, everything had had time to actually bloom and to produce fruit. But that week, the things that kept getting my attention were emails from the local farm, the local plant nursery, I remember, the ranch where we sometimes picked up our meat. Mm-hmm. And it was just people giving each other space to grieve it, but also saying like, here, here's some good tips for battening down the hatches. And here are some things that you might want to do with your tomatoes because they'll still ripen on the table. 
And watching that exchange made me think, wow, look at this interweaving of community and this encouragement that people are giving each other. And it really only came about because of this situation. Mm. So maybe I can let go of this idea that I wish the garden had lasted a little bit longer for this because the garden's going to go away, but the growers are going to remain. And they are the ones being transformed from year to year. And out of that will come even more beauty. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I, I want to keep in mind as I'm raising my children too, to think about, we're not just trying to get them to the next milestone or to this next phase of youth or adulthood or whatever. And we're focusing on what it is to grow a soul who is going to live for eternity and already has the image of God. That changes the perspective a lot, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and I think even looking for the image of God in your child, like what do they have to show you about God even as they're growing? That's it. It makes parenthood, I feel, into more of an adventure than a task or something that you have trepidation over having to control, I think. Mm. So that's been something liberating in any way. So I think so I think that picture of the eternal feeds into our everyday activity mm-hmm. as parents even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think it definitely lends itself to just a more intentional, observant life for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. I'm excited about your new book and I'm excited for our readers to get it. Thank you so much for having me. You can find Amy at amybecklee.com. She's on Instagram as Amy Lee, and she's on Facebook as Amy Lee. I'll link to that plus where you can find her book in the show notes. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, I'd like to ask a favor. Can you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? Besides sharing this podcast with your friends, leaving a review is one of the most effective ways that you can support us and help get the word out about the incredible resources we have to offer. I'm passionate about helping families thrive and your reviews help families find us. And remember, family culture isn't about perfect, it's about purpose.